1: There are two more players left for us to analyze from the Giants 2020 NFL draft class. The next guy we are discussing is Chris Williamson, pick number 247, defensive back out of Minnesota. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, as always, here on the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. As you may have been following along with us so far, folks, we have diligently broken down every single Giants draft pick every single one of them down to the T, letting you know who they are as a player what they bring to the table what they could potentially become or worst case what they could become and not really pan out today's show as I already alluded to Chris Williamson is the second to last guy before we get to take Crowder and wrap things up with our final draft breakdown but Williamson defensive back out of Minnesota 5 foot 11 191 and Chris the one thing that we really obviously noticed from him is that he was a bit of a unique defensive back because he's not your typical safety playing over the top you're not your typical slot guy that's covering a lot of receivers instead he was almost strictly used as a nickel linebacker in a in dime uh, and, and extra defensive back situations to play near the line of scrimmage or on the line of scrimmage to press guys and play in the box when they wanted to take some linebackers out. And Minnesota really did this often, kind of contributing to the fact that Patrick Graham is continually looking for guys that show this positional versatility and being able to do different variants of other positions.
2: Yeah, the it's kind of interesting he was listed as a cornerback when his draft card was put in but he is not a cornerback and he's not even a traditional safety he he's really best described as a nickel defender because he was really only on the field in nickel situations but that was kind of minnesota's base defense anyway but he just played a bunch of different roles sometimes he would be in the slot sometimes he would be in a linebacker position sometimes he would be in a box safety position so he definitely was used in a very versatile way by Minnesota's defense and I think that might have been what caught the Giants eye
1: his go-to position though like we've we've basically spoken about here though he wasn't really a safety you know he was used in the box like you said Chris and that seems to be his skill set is playing close to the line of scrimmage but he doesn't really have those characteristics of a linebacker like we see with Xavier McKinney he's He's a bit of an oddity. He's yet another prospect that we really can't fully get our grasp on what, what he's going to be doing for this Giants team just because he's got interesting traits and was playing a different role for a team that had a lot of really good defensive players. So as we did, though, previously when we talked about Darnay Holmes with talking about defensive backs, we broke him down in terms of diving into the pass coverage ability and then also discussing other notable traits Besides that pass coverage with a defensive back and as specifically for the case of Chris Williamson, pass coverage is the most important thing. There were, were not many plays from the games that I watched. I don't know about you, Chris, where I even saw him defend the run because he was out there in clear passing situations facing teams that threw the ball a lot and they didn't even have him on the field for any clear first down early on in the in, in the quarters types of situations where opposing teams were gonna be running running the ball. If there was a personnel grouping with three or more receivers, more likely than not, Chris Williamson was probably going to be out there. But Chris, the one thing that you and I seem to agree on here, which we tended to, to do, is that he is best at defending guys close or at the line of scrimmage. He's very good in press coverage. He's very handsy, very good at slowing guys down, not allowing them to completely break off and get into the route. He is very good at disrupting the early timing of some of these, these receivers and even some of these tight ends as they're just trying to get off the ball. Yeah, I really like him within five,
2: maybe ten yards of the line of scrimmage. I, I like how he is able to work through trash, work parallel to the line of scrimmage, on defending crossing routes or keeping up with tight ends and running backs moving across the field and does have some some physicality to his game you know we'll get to his tackling in a, in a little bit but I will say he is not afraid to tackle and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty
1: that strongest asset though is 100% that that ability to press guys be physical prevent any any extra quick easy steps and and that was honestly I think what the what his calling card was for Minnesota that they wanted him on the outside to be able to press up on these tight ends he's not big enough to really track them and cover them in man situations and fast enough to follow these slot receivers but he was aggressive enough to really mess up some of these guys and prevent them from having those easy getoffs and that honestly worked a pretty good success specifically against Penn State because in any instance they were trying to get a quick playoff and get the ball out quickly the the timing of everything was disrupted enough that they were able to create turnovers they were also able to get some sacks in various situations as well the other thing too though that we see from this Situation of why he's better at near the line of scrimmage is that he's not so hot at turning and running and following guys. Now, I didn't hate too much what he did when he was dropping into his zones and and trying to get a feel for where the ball was going. It wasn't terrible. I don't think it was anything to really shout from the mountaintops about saying he's the elite guy at it, but he does what he needs to do. But when you ask him to start turning and following guys, he tends to get lost. He's not super fluid in transitioning. He's fluid enough, but not fluid enough to follow these really faster, speedy slot guys. And he's not fast enough to really track the ball and make a play on it if he gets a little bit beat.
2: Yeah, I saw that too. He, in off coverage, like I said, when he has to be, play more than 10 yards down the field, you know, he's, he can be a little bit slow to react to guys, especially quicker slot receivers. And turning and running with him, is it's not as good as you would like to see. You know, he it can be a little bit labored. He can be caught flat footed at times. Uh sometimes it looks like he's guessing where the ball is going to go, and when that happens, you occasionally guess wrong. You know, like I said, I, I really like him best close to the line of scrimmage. If he's playing in off-coverage or a deeper zone, that isn't really where he should be used.
1: Another thing too though, with with seeing what Williamson does is Again, I don't think that he has an elite athletic makeup to make him you know a clear-cut guy that is going to be playing safety at the next level, which I think is why he was being used in this situation of strictly being a box-linebacker-safety hybrid in specific personnel groupings. He doesn't have that speediness and range despite being a smaller safety to follow and track plays. He doesn't have the size and the bulk to lay the wood and and be aggressive against the run. So going on to talking about what he does against the run, Chris, I I don't think it's a huge deal. And when just talking about some of his other traits though, is that I would like to see him have more of a sense of urgency. This isn't just against the run, but more of a sense of urgency when the ball isn't going his way. And th- th- I'm a stickler when it comes to this stuff because I hate seeing guys that once they realize the ball is going the other way, they just – jog towards the ball. I want to see a guy, once he knows where it's going, sprint and swarm. I want got my guys that are on the defense to be swarming for the ball, going right after the ball, because sometimes those cutback lanes can really kill you against a, a very elusive ball carrier. If it's a receiver, running back, whatever it is, even a quarterback, if you're not chasing down the ball to swarm, you can cause some really... Bad, broken play situations where a ton of yards can be picked up. So I want to see Williams to just get a little bit more of a sense of urgency. Maybe that's something you can't coach out of him, but you need to at least drill that into his head that he can't be jogging to the ball on the backside.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. That is that is honestly incredibly important, and not just his position or positions, but everywhere. That In the Scouting Academy, they teach that as competitive toughness, and that is one of the five core traits that you look for in every single every single position not just linebacker or running back or tight end or what have you they you want to see guys play with hustle play with consistent hustle consistent urgency every single play because you never know what is going to happen you know sometimes you might think okay my teammates have this covered you know they, they've got the tackle well you know, something happens, there's a guy slips, uh, doesn't take the best angle, and a running back or receiver is able to break that tackle or force the miss tackle, and then all of a sudden there's a hole there, and you are in no position to go fill it. So that is how broken plays happen. And you really want to see all eleven guys on defense hustling and swarming towards the ball
1: and the fact that the Giants have Saquon Barkley I think is like a perfect example of how we should know that you need that those kinds of defenders because when you're going against a guy like Saquon who is slippery as hell not easy to take down on his first initial cut He can break things. He can break a a little bit of sliver of room if he makes it upfield a little bit and turn it into a huge gain if you give him enough room and you're not swarming to the football, swarming to take down a guy like Saquon or guys like Tyreek Hill. All of those guys, you need to be attacking the ball even if you're nowhere near uh, where the play is going to be happening. It's just a – and some people can kind of get over this, but Chris, I like that you alluded to the fact that the Scouting Academy really teaches this, and that makes me happy to know that that's a big thing that they teach – I, you know, I saw Carter Coughlin do stuff like this. I saw Carter Coughlin show that sense of urgency. Did not really see that a ton from Chris Williams, Williamson. And if not, I saw pretty much every time the ball wasn't going his way, a lack of sense of, okay, I need to go track this thing down in case something happens. Yeah, and it,
2: just bringing up Carter Coughlin, it is a little bit weird that you don't always see that urgency from Williamson because, like you said, Coughlin had it every play. <laughs> Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, he was another guy. He flew around the field. He had it every single play. So it's kind of interesting to see a player who played kind of halfway between them not really show that. Maybe those guys' hustle made up for Williamson's lack of it, or the fact that they were always flying around meant that he didn't have to. But you can't say it wasn't something that wasn't coached because. When you've got two other guys on your defense playing like that, you would think it would have rubbed off on the rest of the defense.
1: Yeah, that's all mentality. That's just all in the what's inside the helmet, what's in your head, and how you approach playing defense. Sometimes you do need to drill that into guys, and they'll eventually pick it up. Sometimes you can't even coach that and get that fixed because it's just the mentality of the player. But hopefully Williamson can fix that. Chris, though, going on to specifically talking about the way he plays the run, we saw a lot of things where he was in positions to make tackles, prevent uh, anything more than a four-yard gain, and instead breaking it into a first down from just a running play. Uh, he struggled a lot trying to defend the run. And it's not that he's not willing to make a play and, and get physical and all that, because we talked about that earlier. He He's very physical against receivers. And, you know He's showed a willingness to tackle. He just doesn't know how to tackle properly. I feel like he's diving. He doesn't understand proper angles. Maybe that's the case because he's not on the field all the time and he barely goes up against the run. Or maybe it's the opposite of the situation that the coaches don't trust him to defend the run. I just think that you need to really work with him on starting over from the ground up on how to properly tackle. Because some guys at the college level straight up don't know how to do it. There's there's plenty of guys that end up falling in these draft situations or go undrafted because they're just straight up not good tacklers. And I can't even really pinpoint specifically what the issue is because everything he does is incredibly sloppy when it comes to his tackling.
2: Yeah, I, I agree completely. He, I said before, he, is, he has a willingness to tackle, which he does. Now, there was a play against Nebraska where he's in coverage on a 260-pound tight end, follows him across the field, squares up, and drives through him. Unfortunately, that was the best tackle I saw him make. It's good to see him be absolutely willing to take on a guy 60 pounds heavier than him, one-on-one but there were so many other instances where he he didn't square up he didn't he just d- didn't really do anything right when it came to tackling and i know tackling has become a little bit of a lost art where it's almost more remarkable when a prospect comes out who is a consistently good tackler but still what when you have a, a defender like Williamson who plays that kind of a role close to the line of scrimmage, who is going to have to make his way onto the team through special teams, having a guy who consistently takes bad angles, who doesn't wrap up, who has a bad tendency of just sliding off of offensive players, even in pass rush situations where he's a blitzer, you see him just kind of slide off quarterbacks, you yeah, know, that that is going to be absolutely maddening for coaches.
1: Certainly, and I also think that some of his issues do stem from the fact that he tends to arm tackle a lot. There were places where I saw him make tackles, and I thought to myself, like, oh, he's not that bad at tackling. And then I sat and I watched it over and over again, and and I I realized he only made this tackle because all he did was use his arms. He didn't bring his body. He didn't bring his lower half. He didn't try to put any power or uh, any oomph into it. It was just reaching and grabbing and he just got lucky on those particular plays because other instances he's swiping with his arms and guys were going flying right through that if you're an arm tackler you're not going to make a lot of tackles especially in the NFL last thing though Chris that I think that he really struggles with and this will kind of lead into what he needs to improve on is that I see him stack well I see him man up and square up with these tight ends even where He'll have good extension, better than some of the other guys that we've talked about, better than Cam Brown to an extent and how well he stacks. Perfect extension, but he just doesn't have that upper body strength to shed. And we'll kind of talk about this and what he needs to improve with that, but he's just not strong enough to work off of these tight ends. And when you're playing in that outside linebacker spot and the ball is running your direction, you got to be able to shed at least a little bit.
2: Yeah, and I do wonder if that isn't related to his tackling where he you know he just doesn't bring his lower body to the to the game so to speak you know power is generated from the ground up and you know if you are not incorporating your lower body like that it is tough to get off blocks especially when guys are so much bigger than you and that's also very important for tackling
1: we're going to talk about everything that he needs to work on and improve on a lot of the stuff that we've already touched upon touched upon a bit here. But before we do get to that, we're going to take a really short commercial break.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
1: As you could probably assume with Chris Williamson, biggest things that he needs to work on his, are his tackling and then his ability to have a stronger upper body to help him with disengaging with blockers. But a little bit more specifically, I think they need to improve his ability to square up ball carriers understand how to properly align and fit a ball carrier so he isn't in a disadvantaged situation I think that if you focus on this with him he can make drastic improvements not completely correcting the issue in a short period of time but if he's with the Giants over a couple seasons you could work on this and improve this so that he's not straight up arm tackling anymore I I, it's as simple as Working with him, showing him what he needs to do, and then hoping he's coachable enough to take that stuff and work on it. And I'm sure that the Giants were willing to take Williamson and select him here in the seventh round because they thought he had that coachability, but maybe not the experience to be as good in various aspects of his defensive game. Yeah, you you definitely hope
2: that you can get that tackling figured out because you know, like I said before, even if he isn't going to be on the field as a defender, he's going to have to make his way onto the team as a special teams player. And missed tackles on special teams are just—they're killers. You know, you, I, I'm sure Giants fans have their own personal low-light reels of you know, special teams players missing tackles and other teams breaking big plays. And if you're going to play on special teams, you've got to tackle. I think that is that might be the most important thing for Williamson to work on.
1: As we've done with every guy so far, we're going to project his ceiling and his floor. And I was a bit optimistic here, Chris. We were talking before the show, and you know, I certainly felt I was more optimistic, I think, than uh, I, I needed to be. But seeing Williamson, and I think what he does well in terms of that ability to press up against these smaller slot receivers and playing close to the line of scrimmage, I can see that if he progresses and works on various parts of his game, that he could turn into a, a core special teamer. Again, this seems like we keep saying the same thing about these 7th rounders, but that's the reality of the traits with these guys that they took. You probably could guess that Joe Judge was looking for guys that could play special teams at worst-case scenario. but. I see with Williamson, core special teamer, and then when you want to get extra heavy with safeties in a big nickel or you know dollar, dime, I wouldn't put them out there in nickel. I would put them out there situations where you know you want extra safeties and put him up close to the line of scrimmage. Let him go out there and and mess up these slot receivers against four wide receiver personnel groupings. I think that that's a pretty good thing to have if you want to put him out there and someone's completely killing you off the uh, you know off the jump. If someone like Tyreek Hill is getting a free release, Henry Ruggs, you know, very fast, or uh, uh, Jalen Rager is another good example of these fast, shifty, smaller, lighter guys. But if you can go and put Williamson on him slow that release don't let him get a free release you can situa- situationally work with him and use him as a very specific chess piece now I don't see him being a starting safety or a starting linebacker or corner but I could see him working his way in under this new approach to defense with Patrick Graham which implies additional personal uh positional versatility rather
2: yeah I think he will be a special teams player first and yeah he could wind up being the fourth or fifth let's just say safety for maybe just uh the sake of argument about what position he gets put at on the depth chart you know, those guys are generally not players to be excited about seeing on the field you know guys who are at the bottom of your depth chart who are primarily special teams players they're not going to be great defenders but if the Giants do run a dime, you know a six, seven, eight defensive back formation, you could very well see him on the field. And I think they will. Ha- the Giants would have to be careful with how they use him. But he could, he could definitely have a role like you just described.
1: And it's going to need a lot of really perfect circumstances for him to find a defensive role. But. I think with a lot of these issues, his floor sadly might be a little bit more realistic than his ceiling. And his floor, the way that we saw it, was okay. He's going to get right on the field as special team, uh, special teams contributor. But I think more likely than not, he's probably going to get cut. I think that those tackling issues are enough to frustrate a coaching staff if they think that they can work with him and improve him and kind of stuff him on the end of the as the 55th guy on the roster or put him on the practice squad, and and work with him on that. But if he struggles tackling in the preseason and he misses and whiffs on plays in preseason games, uh, teams, or uh, not teams even, the, this coaching staff is not going to waste their time being frustrated with a guy that's not tackling properly because you can be in position and you could play everything perfectly but if you miss a tackle you can give up a huge gain if the rest of your guys are out of position and you are in the right position especially like we talked about earlier if some guys in your team assume oh he's got it he's right there he can go and make that play you can't be missing tackles at this level that's just a big no no and you know as much as we say all the time you know tackling is a bit more of a lost art in the NFL I think that if you're playing this role of a strong safety, box safety, um heavy defensive back oriented personnel group. You need to be able to tackle. You need to improve on that. I think that he could be a much better player if he improves on it, but it seems like that's enough to to get him cut if he can't.
2: Yeah, and this this off season is certainly a unique one. At least we hope it's a unique one. And you know, with the NFL off season already curtailed by the cba there's only so much contact players can have with coaches there's only so many padded practices they can have coaches just don't have the time even under the best of circumstances to really teach guys how to tackle you know that's something they that's part of the reason why it's a lost art and it's something they should be learning how to do at the lower levels but even at the lower levels coaches don't seem to have the time to teach them how to tackle. So this year with OTAs and everything being basically done virtually, you know team meetings being done virtually, players having to train on their own even more than in a normal offseason, the Giants might just look at Chris Williamson and say, oh, "We like you. We want to keep working with you, but we can't afford to give you a roster spot."
1: And that certainly doesn't mean that they wouldn't try and keep him around on the practice squad and see if he can develop and improve, but it seems like right now that glaring tackling issue is enough to say we can't waste one of these 55 spots on, on you just right at this moment as a rookie. And there's guys that end up working through that stuff and end up making the roster as we've seen with the Giants throughout the year. So he could end up working his way into having some type of impact if he can improve on those things in the next couple of seasons that's going to be it from us folks thank you for tuning in as always to the chris and joe show be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you may, may be listening to us and also follow us on social media at big blue view you can follow me at joe de and you can follow chris at raptor mkii next we're going to talk about tay crowder